from quarantine and welcome to Dawson's Critique. I'm Aaron Hensley. And I'm Julia Callahan and we are two former college roommates and current BFFs who have loved Dawson's Creek since episode one first aired on the WB all those years ago. Join us for this season three recap as we talk about our favorite moments and we answer your listener questions. It also has spoilers. Spoilers. Beware. Beware. Talk about season four. Okay. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right. How you doing? Oh, man. I'm so good. I know. I'm so I'm good. A, I'm a little sad. Hmm. I, I felt like, um, you know, done. you're like the anticipate. Yeah, that we're done. The anticipation of season three and getting and I just I love obviously love it so much. So I'm like, I'm sad. I mean, I'm I like I like them. I like season four, too. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's fine. But you're like, man. Yeah. I told Jen, the Jen that I live with, not Jen Lindley, um, that... uh, But you told her too, Jen I told Jen Lindley too. I also said this to Jen Lindley. Um, Genevieve, who I live with, was like, you guys gotta try to do an episode with no notes, like where you just do it. And I said, (laughs) I said, so I think what we should do is that when we finish the whole series... Mm-hmm. we should go back to like a couple of the big season three, like show, not show me love, um, like uh stolen, stolen kisses, kisses or longest true love. day or true love uh-huh. and try to do one or two or three of them without notes. Okay. I said, well, like we'll do that. So do it. I think that might be a fun little thing. That would be at the fun. End. Um, so stay tuned. So stay tuned till like 2020 months. From now. <laughs> <laughs> so look for that in 2022 <laughs> so just keep your eyes open for that you know set yeah, up a yeah, google yeah. alert you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just be ready be ready be ready <laughs> okay so i want to say thank you to everyone who sent us your questions yeah. and like i don't know if i said in the last episode but thank you so much i'm so grateful for all of our listeners um y'all are the best man yeah, it's really fun. I love this community that we have. <laughs> we got and this like, review of someone who's like, worst podcast ever. Don't listen. <laughs> and I just laughed so hard because like you took the time whatever, to do that. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I'm like, why do you care? That guy doesn't listen to you. Or I, I gendered that person. That person doesn't listen to you. <laughs> I'm okay with your gendering of that person. <laughs> I'm, I'm so for just, it doesn't matter they're not they're not there listening to you they're not in the safe space we've created they're not your community yeah and I think like I mean one of the things I want to say is just like I don't know if if y'all know how much joy it brings us um Mm -hmm. or I'll speak for myself only but I I think I can speak for Aaron too of like when you know we post things and you comment and you're so excited and and like it's 2020 has been a really fucking hard year um I mean, really, we try to be joyful on this podcast and try to be whatever, but like, it's been hard. Um, it has been. <laughs> it has yeah, it's been. been cool to have this thing that like is like uh, um, nostalgia, you know, yeah. to a different time. Yeah, yeah. That we do every week, you know, and then yeah. also like a way in which we can like have these conversations about current events, but like with a gaze on nostalgia, you know, and I, I've been really enjoying that. And then even just to have something, um, cause when we first started recording the podcast, we would do like, you know, two like or three. two or three or four at a time. And like, we would kind of like really stack them up and only record like 
once a week or something, or sorry, once, once a, a month. month. And yeah. now that we're doing it weekly, just like in the monotony of not being able to like really leave LA and our house, <laughs> like it's been nice to have like this fun thing <laughs> to look forward to, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. And like, and like, you know, I mean, I think, you know, our listeners know us as good friends and, and we certainly are that. Um, but also that like in normal times, you and I sometimes go weeks or, or sometimes even yeah. months without seeing each other just because yeah. we both like, travel a lot and in normal times and are busy, um, you know, and I mean, I mean, that's not to say that over the years, we haven't um, really made an effort to make sure to make time and space for each other. But like, you know, it's nice. It's kind of nice seeing your face every Friday. I, I gotta say, agree. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> totally, I completely yeah. agree. It's and it like, doesn't feel like work too. You know, yeah, yeah. People can be like, let's do a Zoom. You're like, oh god, like I, I want to, I love you, I want to see you, but like, oh god, yeah, don't get on like, a fucking Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. I it's, totally it's agree. Fun because we get to like not talk about the world necessarily. Mm. We get to talk about like our friends from 2000. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Isn't it nice? It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. Did you have anything you were thinking about from last episode that you wish you had added? I, I mean, I think like the thing about last episode and like thinking about the stuff that we um, we were talking about were like in season three, are there any things you wish you had said or wish you had done or missed or whatever is it's like, I think there are so many things that happen in season three that are so complicated. And like, I wish we had time really I mean like uh, by the end of the season like we're like recording like two hour and 40 minute podcast <laughs> and I'm like look like at the beginning of our run as a podcast I tried to edit everything down like I would take things out yeah, and, like, yeah, totally. sometimes Aaron and I go off on tangents and like you know you don't need to hear the whole thing it's like not that important um, but uh but for this for this quarantine I've just felt like you know, people kind of just want to listen to us yeah. talk. And they want new media. Like, I know that we, like, I've personally been thirsty for a little bit new media mm. because, like, you can't, there's no, like, production of TV or movies, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, that, you're kind of, like, thirsty <laughs> for, like, totally. something you haven't heard, for, something fresh and new. Yeah. And it's just, like, some the excitement of being, like, ooh, you know, something new to do, some new episode or whatever. So, yeah, like, I'm, like, oh did we just talk for two and a half hours? I remember when we interviewed Gina, she was like, I listened to your season three, episode one. And I was like, she said to us, I wasn't sure if I could listen to two hours of people talking about Dawson <laughs> Creek. And I was like, fair point, Gina. I mean, Gina, yeah. girl. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And now I'm like, what did I say? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Tom, the one of the things that Tom Capano said to us, he emailed us and, you know, said he was listening to, to some of the show, which was so wild, <laughs> wild, out of the blue. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, uh, one of the things is he was like, you know, I'm loving the show so much. And I was like, oh, my God, Tom, we talk for a long time. I know. <laughs> <these episodes."> I know. <laughs> but it's also, it's so funny because it's like I think about it all the time where it's like, I mean, I mean, quite literally, we've been talking about it for 20 years. Yeah. Totally. A 19, you and I have been friends for 19 years. So, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, God, how long, I mean, you know, we have a lot to say. I don't know, man. 
Totally. It yeah. is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, my family sits around and talks about infrastructure. It's not weird to sit around and talk about Dawson's Creek. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Literally had a three-hour conversation with my roommate yesterday about the nuances of casteism in India. So, yeah. I mean, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's not what I'm having conversations about right now. But I had a real long conversation about the Kristen Stewart Mackenzie Davis vehicle happiest season with a friend of mine um, the other day. That was it was a long one. Okay. We had a lot to say. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You and I talked about that off air, so we did. We did. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Yeah, we will. <laughs> cool. So let's get into it then. You yeah. ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. Okay. This is from Briar. Mm. And um, in regards to, because again, I had to cut it, um, the Joey's quote choice of friendship and family with Dawson and love with Pacey. Okay. Mm. So she. this is from Briar. Mm. What I find so fascinating and sad about this choice is that Joey is presented as a, quote, strong woman. And she is. Sure. But it is often presented in media that, quote, strong women don't, quote, let themselves get abused by men. In so many other cases, we've seen Joey easily assert herself against toxic men. Rob, Chris, Matt Caulfield, and even her father. And yet she never does so with Dawson. I was wondering if it was because of her complicated issues with her father that she allows Dawson to railroad her. But it seems like Dawson is the root since in season two, she chooses to literally imprison her father versus go against Dawson. Yeah. That decision obviously conflicted with her very deeply since it quickly leads her to one act of extreme self-assertion over Dawson, cutting him out completely of her life. However, this power over her is so strong that just a few months later, she is subjugating herself to him, literally laying herself bare in an effort to resume a relationship with him. First of all, Briar, where is your Dawson's Creek podcast? I am <laughs> fucking listening to that shit. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I told you, we got like some of the best. Like my boyfriend was like, those are all like paragraphs. And I'm like, but they're all so amazing. <laughs> I just like don't know what to do. And I'm trying to edit them for time. But like, I don't even know how. So. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what is time really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if there's anything we've learned this year, it's that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Briar, man. Okay, so like, I think that that's so fucking astute. And I think that, you know, I mean, there's something so interesting about Joey as, as, um, you know, victim of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's wrong. I don't think that's a wrong assessment. Like she is. No, definitely. Yeah, like she definitely is. She has so much trauma from like Dawson. Mm -hmm. That you know, we kind of yell at all the time. <laughs> and then from like the, the city, the town of Cape side yep. from like her father, you yep. know, and like, we don't really get into it. And it, it is so disappointing that we actually don't really get into that much of like Joey's childhood parental experience. And similar yeah. to Jen, I always hated that about the show that we just like, we're just like, it's, it's reduced to just two sentences her mom had cancer and died and her dad is in prison. Yeah. And it's like, 
you know, I remember we talked about this before and I remember talking to a listener on, on Instagram where I was like, do we know Joey's dad was a drug user? Like, we don't even know that we know he sells drugs and like, you know, but that, that's it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting because it's like, I mean, I mean, in the drug, you know, he's like trafficking marijuana. I know the, the, the season one, you're like marijuana, like, oh my God, at least in season two, they leveled up to cocaine. So it yeah. felt like for me personally, as like a Californian, I was like, okay, this is like a real situation, but like marijuana, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like I, I a mean, white dude going, like, even though he's poor, like a white dude going to jail for marijuana, like. I don't know about that. Well, and, and this is a conversation that I had with my father on a regular basis. Is my, my father dealt marijuana. And I mean, I, I think probably if you were going to look at a legal definition, my father probably trafficked marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, it's something that like I, w- I was actually just talking to my mom about this of like these certain places that I got taken as a child <laughs> and and thinking about it now as an adult and being like, oh, those were drug dealers, weren't they? And my mom was like, yeah, they were. <laughs> like, that you got taken to these places. And, like, not – I don't mean that in, like, a, oh, my God, my childhood was so blah, 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 blah. It was fine. But that's, like, the interesting part is that, like, you and Joey are the same age. You had the same mm-hmm. – a similar experience with your dad. Yeah. And you feel – very little shame about that versus she has like this intense, almost like debilitating shame about an experience you had at the exact same time. And, and perhaps that has a, that's a comment on my class is that my class is higher than Josephine Potter's. Um, right. Or like the fact that you were just from a place where it had a, you know, we had medical marijuana in, in 94, mm, 96, 96, yeah. 96. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, and so I think like what's so interesting about Joey and about her relationship to her dad um, and just her relationship to her family. Like, I think Joey, Joey is a class jumper. Right. And I think that's an interesting place to be. And I think I have a lot of friends who have jumped class. And but interestingly, I actually don't know that. What was class was her mom? That's true. I don't know. I don't know. But I think like, you know, like, I think that she's um, a a socioeconomic jumper, Mm. but I don't know if I would, I could certainly, I could say with certainty, she's a class jumper. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like her mom, perhaps her mom is from uh, um, like an educated, less working class, more educated, less working class. Yeah. um, Background. I I don't know that. I think that's a good, that's a good point. The only thing we know about her is that she was an artist. And I think... Died of cancer. And died of, and died of cancer. <laughs> and I think, like, uh, you know, there's a part of me that, like, looks at Joey's background and is like, you know, yeah, sure. Would I love a more nuanced Joey? I mean, I think I think that about all the characters. Right. There's a certain part of me that's like, oh, my God, what would I give for a more nuanced Dawson? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the one that I actually really want, where I'm like... The rest of them at least do have some nuance. I mean, like Dawson feels really one note to me um, as a character. And so I would love more nuance to him as it's like. Yeah, I feel like Dawson, even in the first watch and then obviously in subsequent watches, he doesn't surprise you with the way he behaves. And I also think like as someone who grew up in a a fairly... um, 
um, similar socioeconomic class than Dawson. I, I feel like Dawson's parents are much richer than my parents, but, mm. um, but you know, it's, I, I mean, it's similar. It's similar. There's, there's, there's similar it's hard to say there. California versus yeah, East Mass- coast, that fucking East coast money. Yeah. Say, I don't- it's, well, and also just things are more expensive here. Sure. But so my thing is like with Dawson, there's this part of me that's like, I think it's really fascinating to see how people who have a quote unquote perfect upbringing, like where their trauma lies and where their sort of triggers lie. Um, and, and as someone who had two parents that were very present and very, um, you know, who were there and who were, yeah. who were involved. I mean, I, that's like a similarity Dawson and I have is that like my parents are still married. Like mm-hmm. I had like Same. to I mean, the outside perspective, like a quote, perfect childhood, you know, mm-hmm. do I think that's what happened? No, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like to, you know, the outside observer, even like amongst my cousins or like, you know, the yeah. family friends that I've known my whole life that I think that that would be like the perspective of the, the Hensleys and the Hensley experience, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I, I agree with you that it would have been so much more interesting. Like, I think Dawson kind of gets in it with Nikki when he's like, Oh, my parents are getting divorced. And you know, like it's hard to come from this place where you have this, per- like the experience of like being seen as like the perfect family and the perfect kid. And then all of a sudden that's taken away from you. And like, where does that leave me? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Well, and also like, you know, like, I guess for me, like Dawson gets so interesting with Nikki, which is why I was so mad what they did with that character. I, I agree a hundred percent, but also like Dawson, I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. And yeah. also Dawson, I think, um, there's this part of me that's like, because his friends, I mean, I mean, as much as the show is all about class, there's so little explicit discussion of class. Like, right. There, there's a lot of inference about class and about where these people are coming from, but like, there's not much explicit discussion. And so, you know, my thing is like for Dawson as someone who is friends with two people, best friends with two people who are from a much lower socioeconomic class than he is, Mm -hmm. what, you know, there's a part of me that's like, okay, what does he feel like he can talk about with them? And like, what does he feel like these are these first world problems? And it doesn't mean that those aren't affecting. Right. No, totally. Well, I always feel like Dawson doesn't acknowledge or notice his um, financial privilege. Yeah, I agree with you. And that like, it feels so hard and to be honest, un inauthentic, you know, yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, because like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs. So for the most part, there was like a very, uh, like this, the stratification was pretty small mm-hmm. and like, but so I don't know if that means that my experience was different because the kids that were like really rich, you knew that. And there was like an a actual, it wasn't an, it was an, a verbalized acknowledgement of it. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. for them, I feel like with every rich kid I knew it would, it was a verbalized by them, <laughs> not in like a fucked up way. Like I'm rich, but like, just like, yeah. Oh, well, you know, like, Oh, don't worry. I'll pay for dinner for everyone. Like, it's okay. My parents are paying or something like that. Like, you know? Yeah. And so that 
is like to me like Dawson he's so naive about it sometimes he'll be like wait what like and it it fucking that's one of the things that always wear to I was like, I don't know anyone like this. He's like, it doesn't make any sense, you know? Well, and it's so interesting that you say that because as someone from a small town that has a very complicated um, class, socioeconomic class structure, you know, um, I had a different upbringing, which was that there were a lot of people that I was very good friends with that I did not realize grew up in government housing, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, I knew that they lived in an apartment, but it took me until I was in my twenties to be like, Oh, those are government housing apartments. And, 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 and an argument that I've had with certain people from my hometown is like, whether it is better to know that or not. Right. Like, like I was naive to it. I did not know. I did not understand. I did not grow up in government housing. Um, you know, my parents were homeowners. Um, Though my parents were very, um, they didn't, they, they, um, I lived in a townhouse. I I wasn't like we were in some huge, you know, house. Um, but, but they were homeowners and, um, you know, some of my other friends, they grew up in apartments and, and, you know, I, I just didn't really think about it. And so there's a way in which I think to myself, was I able to be sensitive to their socioeconomic realities, having not known about this? And Mm -hmm. the question is like, yes and no. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we were doing anything all that expensive. Um, And then I have a couple of friends that were much wealthier than I was. And it was like, I didn't feel that in the same way you know, except for like, maybe like one of my friends had a cell phone when we were in high school still. And like, when I was in high school, it was like rich people had cell phones. Right, right, right. Um, And so, you know, there were little things, but there wasn't that much. And my parents were kind of in the middle, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's the way I always felt too. But then when I went to college, I realized that like, compared to where I was in college, I was rich. And when I'm in LA now and my Mm. friends that I know now, I'm like, okay. Like, it's like I've said before, I, to this day, don't think I grew up privileged. I don't know. I'll ever think that, but I know I did. You know what I mean? And I do. And I think that there's like a nuance between that. Mm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I will never feel that way because like we live in capitalism, our fucking brain virus of the pursuit of capital. So it's so fucking (laughs) stupid, you know? And so as a result, you always know people that have more money than you. And so you're like, well, but I didn't have this as a result of knowing people that have more money than you. And you're not like focusing on what you, the brain virus of capitalism doesn't allow you to focus on what you already have, you know? And that was something I learned in college. I'll never forget one of my college roommates being like, Jules was like, I'm a messy person. And she was like, only you would keep a coach purse on the ground. And I was like, (laughs) and I was about to say like, whatever, it's only a coach purse. And then I realized a, what I was going to say and B what she was saying. Yeah. Like I had a, you know, 18 and had like a bunch of coach purses and she Mm. didn't have any, you know? (laughs) And like, to me, that was like, well, yeah, like I, my, when I, oh, you mean when you were seven, you didn't have a matching Louis Vuitton bag with your mom? Oh, (laughs) you know? And like, those are the things that you learn as you like, just expand your horizons. And that's like one of the, like, you know, the, um, 
what, why like AOC is always like, yeah, what happens when we defund the police? It looks like the suburbs. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like my, you think my parents ever once called the police? <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like they never once no. called, like, there's no way my parents like, you know, so like, and I think a lot of people vote and they have this idea of like what the police brings to them. Cause it's based on this idea mm. without ever having experienced like dealing with the police. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think like, that's so interesting that you say that about like what Jules said to you about the coach purse because like I think like I often think yeah about college too and about like what I was able like I like I graduated from college without debt Mm -hmm. um and like my my parents did pay for my college education and I am extraordinarily thankful and um you know it did allow me a lot of opportunities and I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and about like you know this idea that's been floated that Joe Biden should cancel like X amount yeah. of college debt the second he gets in. And I was yeah. like, and I was saying, I mean, the thing that I was talking to this person about was like, look, as a person who graduated college without debt, because I had parents who had a certain level of income and had a certain level of education. And also, I mean, to credit my parents saved for my entire fucking life. Yeah, they prioritized it for sure. Like, you know, absolutely. But I, and the reality is like, now like when we went it was it, it was, was just a lot cheaper significantly cheaper yes and the idea that you're going to be able like you know you, your parents could I don't mean just like it's in like it's easy but it's like fifty thousand dollars versus now where it's like more than 200 and and absolutely and I I am and you know so so that's absolutely true <laughs> and you know my um But my thing was like, I was like, why would I not want anyone else to have that experience? Like, I I, like, I mean, I got to work in book. I got the reason that I get to work in book publishing is because I graduated college without any debt because book publishing pays me fucking nothing. Let me tell you. And so and that's intensely problematic to book publishing because that means that like there's only a certain like quote type of person that could pursue a job within that industry. Yeah. I mean, don't get me started about how fuck. No, totally. It's like that obviously becomes endemic and very, very problematic. Yeah. You know? Um, and this is our journey as like be white people becoming anti-racist is being like, and like I said, the brain virus of capitalism Mm. is all about hoarding. So like, who do you care? <laughs> well, why like, would I care? Student debt? Yeah. Like, why do I care? Okay, cool. Yes, I want that for you. Like, what do we think the role of our government is in our life? Like, you know, yeah. do they help us or do they just put their, you know, knee on our neck and try to murder us? Like, Mitch you know, McConnell so. has his knee on your neck trying to murder you, but we'll see. We'll see how yeah, that plays out. You know, hmm. um, we've taken a few tangents, but yeah. one thing I wanted to <laughs> say to, to Dawson was saying. <laughs> Comrade Aaron, let's talk about Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I was interested, like I, like I loved what Briar said, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah. she, the way she classifies, you know, Joey as this quote, she's presented as this strong woman, mm. and I remember in, you know, in 2000 watching this show, and you know, or when it first comes on, and you know, the whole time, Joey is shown as this strong woman, yeah. and I felt like as the viewer, that's the way that they're trying to portray it. But I always had this complicated relationship with her because I was like, I don't, her being an asshole to Jen makes her an asshole. Like, how is this the concept of strong woman, you know? Mm. And then also her just like, 
fucking like making herself so small mm-hmm. around Dawson. Mm-hmm. How does that make her a strong woman? You know? And like, that was one of the problems I had with Joey and my experience watching her in high school. Mm-hmm. I think season four, I just have a different relationship with her because watching her in love with Pacey is such a different experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So her character does have that takes this, turn and and goes on this growth journey where like by the time I met you I had a different relationship with her but like in season one and two while like I said she's like the star and you're rooting for her I was just like I wouldn't that girl's an asshole I don't know if I'd be friends with her you know and I was like I I felt like this was a way that strong women were portrayed Mm -hmm. and it, it I think now I know that that is the second wave feminist concept of strong. Yes. And that wasn't something I personally identified mostly because like I've said before, my mom was in the second wave and I, you know, I have a complicated relationship with my mom and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like the way you treat women. So I don't like your variety of feminism, you know, and it was felt problematic to me. Yeah. You know, now I found a home within a different feminist movement. And it, it's like, and I can look back differently. Cause like I, there's more tools and words and mm-hmm, everything about mm-hmm. it, you know? Sure. And it's like, like she says, like Joey is a strong woman. I don't think there's one definition of strong woman, but I remember at the time being like very complicated about like the idea that she's this strong woman. Cause I was like, Jen's kind of strong too. I feel like Andy's super strong, yeah. you know? So like, uh, the, like the way in which it was portrayed was, I felt complicated about it. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, for me, Joey as a strong woman, I mean, I think, obviously, I do think she is a strong woman. But I agree with you that like, you know, um, there's a way in which there was a, a backstabbing that happened. And I hope that we're moving through that and moving past it. I mean, I think that like, there's a way in which third and I mean, even are we on fourth? I feel like I hear fourth bandied about sometimes, <laughs> but I think whatever those things it is. Define in hindsight, you know. Sure, so. but like so, third wave feminism. If we're going to talk like about Kimberly it, because like Kimberly Crenshaw was talking about this when I was watching Joey Potter in 1999, you right, know. But right. like I didn't, that didn't exist in, in the, the lexicon. Yeah, you know? and and so I think like what what I'm looking at is like in third wave, and by third wave I mean like a feminism that says like, hey, women get to choose what they want to do, and like. I mean, going back to season one to the beauty contest episode where Jen is basically to Joey, like, hey, in this fucking bullshit patriarchy, one of the things that you can do in order to get a college scholarship is do this fucking beauty contest. So I don't know. Just do yeah. it. Like, yeah, like what calculation are you going to make? The, that's the third way. And are you going to let, like, the men and the patriarchy define what, like, is feminist, you know? Yeah, Which means, absolutely. like, you don't participate in this stupid shit. Or are you just going to go get your education and then redefine what the word feminism is through the female gaze? And absolutely. The female absolutely. And I think, like, and I think, so watching Joey and watching Jen and watching Andy, it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, like there's a part of you that's like, yeah, in the year 1999 or whatever was Andy's mental health breakdown looked at as a weakness that made her whatever we, a weak person possibly. I don't think that that's true. I think it makes her strong that she like did this and sought help and got through it. And like, that's a really strong thing to do. Her in season three be the most like have the most handle on her feelings, you know? Like in the anti-prom, I feel like she just has this very 
clear, incredibly nuanced, thoughtful idea of how she's feeling and how Pacey's feeling and how to like articulate it in a way that we don't see in another characters. So as a result of this, like, you know, trauma she had in this journey she went on in season two and then seeking help like she's better for it you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there's a net gain from it and like just like obviously we talked about it in season two like the normalizing of that and that story representation while like it's one of those ones that you look back and you're like ooh, (laughs) at the time yeah we weren't getting any of that oh my god yeah no and it was like and I knew people who had you know been hospitalized for different types of you know mental illnesses and like Mm -hmm. you know and and like I don't talk about this really but like and I'll just say right now trigger warning Mm -hmm. content warning um uh anorexia like I had an eating disorder and I Mm -hmm. like they were like my mom had to wake up and make me dinner or sorry breakfast every morning and like and I Mm -hmm. they were like my doctors were like maybe like you should go to a hospital you know yeah and like I think that those stories were like not really represented and like, that's why they're problematic. But the story of an eating disorder was always like in this weird way. And I like that Dawson's Creek didn't do that, you know? Yes. Yes. Because I don't ever, I've never seen an authentic telling of it personally. I think other people have, but like I haven't of my experience, which is why this one was just like, we don't know what Andy has. And And I kind of like that because you could kind of be like, Okay. okay, she has what I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, totally. And I think that there's something like, I mean, as much as there's something problematic about the lack of specificity about her mental health struggles, there's also something that like, like you said, like, you can kind of put your own onto yeah. it and like, be yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah. okay, I, you know, I recognize this. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. 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 So that that's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, Okay, so this is from Lucia, and it's going to kind of build on what we were talking about in the last question. And Lucia is awesome. She emails us a lot. She's, like, 19, and I just, like, it makes me feel so excited. I know. God. She's so cool. I agree. She's on our Twitter, too. (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't know, like, for the most part, Aaron runs our Instagram and I run our Twitter. But, like, Uh I don't know. We both, both, like... what it was it called moonlight on on the other one (laughs) but like but um also i lucia i like when in her profile it says 19 and i like it gives me fucking hope for the world i know totally yeah Um, so she says Mm. um a lot like jen emotional abuse is very much trauma and i think joey has been experiencing that for some time yeah Especially as we watch Dawson dangle the only safe haven she's ever known in front of her. Hmm. It's not so easy to see your abuser outrightly displaying these horrid behaviors and think you're able to go. Mm-hmm. There are so many emotional ties and implications that come with that. Joey's perspective in life is from someone who has been told by the those around her and from the narrative of societies written for the girl from her socioeconomic class and family that she doesn't get to win. Yeah. She can work and work and work, but she will not make it out of this trope. So when we look at the situation she is in now where she is acting the martyr, doesn't that kind of make sense for the life she's experienced so far? Especially when we see the juxtaposition of Andy. 
Of course, each of these characters go through familial health and social struggles that are entirely separate and non-comparable. But when Andy is able to say, you can't give me what I want and kind of accept and move on from that, isn't there an argument that because of her life experience and her fortunate upbringing that she's able to see that she will be okay? Hmm. Even more... So since she recently went through intense therapy, questionable, (laughs) where she would (laughs) have learned the coping mechanisms necessary to deal with this sort of thing. All I'm saying is that from the outside, it's very easy to see how Joey is acting like a dick. But when we look at this, what it's like to be a woman, we know that options aren't something that just comes so easily. Our gender has was defined by sacrifice of our body of our time of our ambition for so long Mm -hmm. that it's seemingly insurmountable to think we can speak what we need and actually get it Mm. or not see it as selfish Mm. (sighs) (laughs) and i think she emailed this and she was like what i don't know if you guys give enough space to joey and then she says this and Mm. and i know i struggle with that like I've said in the last episode, Mm -hmm. because I just, I'm just like, Oh, you're an asshole to Jen. And like, I have these really complicated feelings about Joey, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to watch her choose Dawson. And like, and I, I constantly think about it. Like, am I giving her enough space for the trauma that like she has of Dawson Yeah, and like who she has built Dawson up to be, you know? And like, it's very hard, you know? And like, and, it's it's hard too because the character of Dawson has aged so poorly. I agree. So when the first time I watched it, I hated him, and it's like every subsequent watch, it's like I just it, <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse and worse and worse. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's also like a hatred towards the fact, like it's like a a um that that it's a hatred towards the fact that that was what we grew up with, you know, like it's kind of like, I guess it's more like a resentment. So I like, I resent Dawson and that is, and that's not because of the way he behaves. It's, it's because of other things. And I'm trying to always like, you know, detach that resentment of him. And like, so I can give him the space that like maybe he deserves, but it's really hard. You know, it's super hard. I think that's such a like astute thing, Aaron, that like, there's a resentment about how we grew up and like how we were expected to deal with men Mm -hmm. Um, and how we were expected to deal with men who treated us like Dawson treats the women in his life. You know, I think there's, I I, I just think that like, (sighs) and it's like, sorry to interrupt, but no, it's fine. It's like, okay, let's talk about season three. Hmm. Do you think Dawson is the worst male character on season three? No, I think Rob is. Do you think he's the second worst male character? Mm, That's debatable. Do you think he's the third worst? Mm, Possibly. It's like, to me, it's like Rob, AJ. Yeah, Henry. Henry. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I think you could make arguments that Dawson's worse than AJ or Dawson's worse than Henry, but like, but like, you're like, it's not, it's not clear. You're trying to convince yourself he's the maybe second, third 
or fourth or fifth worst character and he's fucking horrible. So right. that like, then when you kind of scope it out, you're like, God, why were all these like really shitty men, like mm. always portrayed to us, you know? And then, I mean, I think about my own experiences with men in high school and I, or boys in high school and I'm like, no fucking wonder I put up with that shit, <laughs> you know? It's, it's like, there's yeah. so much shit that I put up with that I'm like, oh, like, yeah. there's a part and of I me that, like... And I think that's why we don't always give space to Joey or, like, mm. you know, I think about that when I'm like, am I, am I being too mean to her? Because am I just mad at, like, myself? Or, yeah. Like, like, this oh, nostalgia yeah. Oh, of, like, God. watching friends go through a similar experience as her and, like, these, like, you know, like, so you're like, am I not giving her space? Because I'm like, oh, like... I have trauma about that. <laughs> well, and thinking about thinking about things that your friends have gone through and thinking about things that men have said to them or done to them and like that you know. And I feel like I feel like as women we hold each other's secrets in such a way. Do you know what I mean? Like like even just you and I there I think there are so many things about us that like I hold so many of your secrets. I and and not like secrets, but like I hold so much of your pain. I have been there for so much yeah. of it and you've been there for so much of mine. And, yeah. and there's this way in which like, we don't necessarily ever have to talk about it, but like, you know, in a 20 year friendship, you know, you know where these intense sources of pain come from in my life. Right. And I know where they come from in yours too. And, yeah. and so I think that women so often hold other women's pain. Totally. And I think that's such an interesting thing. And I think that's such a beautiful thing in a certain way. And then I also wish we didn't have to do it. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I think about it a lot. Because um, like, like I've had an abortion. So I know tons of women that have because mm. they're like, if you ever say it, someone, I guarantee you someone's going to email me, email us and yes. say like, yeah. And I'll admit that I have not had an abortion. Uh -huh. um, but I did. I, I mean, obviously, Aaron and I were friends when that happened. And yeah, I, yeah, I know totally. <laughs> and like, on the other hand, I have had men look me in the eye and say, like, I don't know anyone who's had an abortion. And I'm like, well, hey, that's not true. You know me. But like, <laughs> also, like, that's so fucking fascinating to mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting how like, we keep these secrets and like we, you know, even with the me too, it was like, well, there's a whisper network. Everyone mm. like I, how many people had you heard of? Like I was yeah. like Kevin Spacey. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, oh, you know, yeah. I'd heard so many things about him. Like, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, like everyone mm. in LA knew about th that. Those things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, a, a like system of like an underground railroad. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. That is so like, it's really like why, you know, women can tend to be more bonded, but also it's why we can be so mad at men. <laughs> True. And it's, why, and I think like, I think that there's parts of Dawson's behavior. I think that there's parts of, you know, certain men in the show, their behavior where it's like, it's so triggering. Mm -hmm. It's so triggering because it is so it's, it's like, it's very real yeah um and so like props to the show for being real but also like <laughs> my god <laughs> like don't make us relive this yeah no totally <laughs> you know? no and I think that the 
problem, one of the things I struggle with in season three mm-hmm. is Joey having an idea of her friendship with Dawson and it's be, it being so vastly different than Dawson's opinion of their friendship. You know, yeah. like it's, so, it breaks my heart every time when Dawson, when Joey tells Dawson, your home is my home, your family's my family. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and like, he doesn't seem to think that. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's like reminding him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like she's letting him in on this secret. <laughs> and it like, it really breaks my heart, like, mm. to be honest, that she places this person in her life in a place that he doesn't see and he doesn't place her in return. Yeah. You know, and like, it's hard. Like, and I think Lucia's right that like, Joey has so much trauma, so much trauma, you know? Totally. And like trauma, I'll never understand. Like, you know, like, my mom's not dead, you know, right. and like, um, you know, um, my dad's certainly not in prison, you know, or like, yeah. Um, and like, I didn't have to sleep on a pullout couch, like, you know, <laughs> just like all of these yeah. things that like, I just fundamentally will never understand. Yeah. And I know that's something I struggle with myself because like, you know, I can, I know because of my experience, there are things I don't understand. And like, even to this day, I'll say things and I'm like, Ooh, that is really classist or whatever, you know, it's just part of my personal journey. And like, like, I remember like a while ago saying to my boyfriend, like he's from Houston. And I was like, so where did like all of your friends go skiing? Like there's no um, (laughs) mountains near there. (laughs) And he's like, then we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like okay okay okay. yeah like okay I see that you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like you know just like stuff like that where Mm -hmm. your experience is so different that like something that would be innocuous like then you kind of like are like okay okay like interesting (laughs) you know um and so you know it's my when we talk about making space you're like kind of making this assessment of like okay what is this person? What are their traumas? What are their whatever? And like, how do we like give them more of the benefit of the doubt or whatever? And that still ends up being this personal judgment, you know, which is why we're trying to dismantle the patriarchy and white supremacy. Like, you know, why are we letting humans are fallible decide these things? Like, let's just eliminate them. So we don't have to decide, you know? Yeah. And I think like, I think for me with Joey, like I do give Joey so much space and I, and I feel such a kinship to Joey. And I mean, really, I, what I've learned in this rewatch is that as much as I now sometimes I'm like, God, Joey, why are you acting so problematic? Mm -hmm. I just, I will always relate to her. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and that that's just my truth, you know, that I will always relate to her. And partially because she's this like, you know, kind of smart tomboy Mm -hmm. and, and what am I, if not that, (laughs) but like, but also that she's so like, there's a self-sufficiency to her. There's a, um, there's a naivete to her too, that I think that I sometimes hold. Um, and even still in my ancient age, (laughs) Um, (laughs) don't say that i'm older than you (laughs) i know i know we're about to be the same age very shortly um and uh so anyway i just uh, i think that it's interesting i mean i i do try to hold so much space for joey and i think but i also think like 
I think trauma doesn't allow you to be an asshole. Yeah, that's what I really struggle with. Because like Lucia says, like, I'm a lot like Andy, where I'm like, if you can't give me what I want, it's okay, I can get it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that is like, it's such an intense privilege to be Mm -hmm. like, I can get it somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And like, and like, it's hard, because on the one hand, I want to live in that world where everyone can feel that that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So you simultaneously want to act like the world you want exists while acknowledging the world that you are in exists. Yeah. And that's where it's really difficult. Oh my God, girl. I have this problem. I actually have this problem the most when it comes to being a manager at my job where like I, I've had people who are younger than me work for me. And there's this part of me that wants to be like, in order to move ahead, here's what you have to do. And then also be like, I think it's fucked up that that's what you have that's to what do you have in to order do. to move ahead. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, and there's a part of me that like doesn't know how to reconcile those two things and has a very hard time um, expressing that to people. And like, you know, I don't want to tell you that you have to work for free and yet that is a, that is sometimes an honest to God truth. Um, and I, I hate that that is true, but it is. And you're like perpetuating something that's literally illegal and then also like really corrupt, you know, but then also you're like, Oh, but like, I also want you to get ahead. Like what many battles can we stop, you know, can we fight, you know? (laughs) And it's like, for example, in my job, you know, like you don't, like, I don't read any of the stuff that I have to read and I have to read a lot of stuff on when I'm kind of like, quote unquote, on the clock. I mean, I have a salary, so I'm not ever on the clock. But like, I'm I'm both not ever on the clock. And I am always on the clock. Yeah, yeah. Um, My salary is a scam. Yeah, girl. Um, But but I also, uh, you know, but like, okay, so if you're an hourly employee, you still have to read that stuff that's not on company time. And, you know, you need to be familiar with the books that we publish. And like that stuff all happens not on company time. And I like hate that that is the reality, but it is the reality. If you are sitting at your desk reading something like that, like, and not just like, oh, I need to skim through this for, to find something. Like if you're sitting at your desk reading a book, like that's bad. And and I'm like, I hate that that's the truth, but that is the truth. Right. Totally. You know. Fucking hard. I mean, the way we treat labor in the U.S. It's a nightmare. Worldwide. It's worldwide. worldwide, Yeah, it's a nightmare. But hard, you know. It is Um, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Thank you, Lucia. Lucia, you're fucking awesome. I love you. Yeah. Okay. This is from Alva, Mm. and. Thank you for giving me a pronunciation guide. She's from Ireland. (laughs) Ireland. Look, y'all. My last name is Callahan, so I'm. Technically, I'm from Ireland, but my I, name means Irish. Your name does mean Irish. <laughs> I believe my family left in the famine, so you know, 150 yeah, years ago. <laughs> I, I like my grandma's half Irish. Her last name was O'Brien, mm. but like her, they, her family, like I'm still fifth generation Californian through her. You yeah. Know, so yeah. Um, I also want to say that. I never understood. I went to Ireland when I was uh, tw- 20. Um, so a hundred years ago. And uh, I like went into a bar and realized that every single person was exactly like my father. And it was like, <laughs> so eye opening where I was like, Oh, this is where this comes from. I fucking love Ireland. <laughs> totally. Sorry. I got off track. Don't be sorry. <laughs> 
our space. Mm. Okay, she's got a few questions. Okay, I'm here for it. Okay. What is your favorite Pacey and Joey moment of season three? For me, it's stolen kisses, that second kiss, and of course, that brilliant last scene in the finale. Mm. My favorite Pacey and Joey moment of season three. I, I, I mean, I kind of think it's actually in home movies when they go on that like walk and yeah. Casey Swan dives into the book. Yeah, you love that scene. <laughs> I love them. Them in that episode like fucking gives me life. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love. I look at. <laughs> do I want to watch Stolen Kisses? Kisses a fucking hundred thousand times yeah. and like watch them make out? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not dead inside. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> But the the banter, the it's all of stolen kisses or all of home movies. I'm sorry. Um, their banter through that whole episode, I am just like I live for it. I yeah, it's like of course, like when he's like the question is what you want when she mm. grabs his hand and they kiss in stolen mm. kisses, like mm. you feel it, you get chills every time, every time. So like like. I can't tell you how many times this year I've watched um, the anti-prom. My, like, I get, like, chills every time. Mm, I remember everything. Yeah, when Mm. she's like, do you want to dance? And he, like, sighs and then, like, oh, my God, I get chills every time. (laughs) And then, that sigh. Oh my god and then yeah and of course my favorite side the very last moment of season three like mm-hmm. I just have so much nostalgia in my heart mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. but I just think mm-hmm. my favorite scene is when he's watching her sleep oh. even though like obviously god. it's creepy watching someone sleep or whatever but like I think is just because yeah I mean whatever it isn't I don't think in this, like in these circumstances, <laughs> like if someone I mean, like, he's looking at her at, at, through her window, watching your sleep. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a different. Totally. That's different, but yeah. But uh, I. Th- oh my god, that yeah, scene it's... is like it's so like. Oh my god! Like, and when when you first, I just like have the most vivid memory of mm. seeing it for the first time and being like, Holy oh shit. my god! So like even every time you watch it, you're like brought back there and just like, holy shit. And it's just like, it's such a good scene. It like, it honestly comes out of nowhere, but then you're like, how does that come out of nowhere? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It comes out of nowhere, but then you're like, think about it. And you're like, no, that makes total sense. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know? And so like, I think that's why I love it because it's just like, it's such an incredible written well done storytelling you know and you're like damn i wish i could high five all those people that fucking shit is so good you know Mm. um it's so good so i i think that's my favorite piece okay cool so second question Mm. This, to me, is the season where, intentionally or not, they really push Joey and Pacey to be front and center and the stars of the show. Yeah. How do you think that affected the show from then on? For me, they really couldn't go back to making Dawson as important after his terrible behavior in season three, but they missed out on really utilizing the talents of Michelle Williams. I agree. I I think that there was a journey from the beginning to pivot from Dawson being the star to Joey being the star. Yes. And I think by the end of the show, Joey is like one of my least favorite characters. Okay. 
you know, because mm. it becomes like this really, sh- it becomes Joey's show and it becomes, a, she becomes a shell of who she was, you know, mm-hmm. that made her the star to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they kind of leaned on it too much that all the other stories are like, these are, I don't, I don't even care about them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Katie is front and center um, from season three kind of onward. Yeah. Um, and I think I agree with you. I think, I think this show, as much as it is called Dawson's Creek, <laughs> I think there's a way in which it's like embrace the ensemble. This is an ensemble cast. Right. It is a great ensemble cast. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think we'll have more conversations in seasons five and six. I think Jen has and four five and six, actually, I think Jen has some truly stellar moments. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think that this show has always neglected Jen. I think it neglects Jen for the entirety of its run. Absolutely. I feel like, I mean, it seemed like when we talked to Gina, it seemed like they knew what they had with Michelle Williams. It's not like they didn't. And and I mean, and to to Gina, the point that Gina made, which was like, there were times where Michelle Williams was yeah, filming she, other shit. She, yeah, she had other obligations to her time. Exactly. Like do so much with her. Exactly. And I think, like, I think someone sent us in Instagram like a while ago. So I don't remember it fully, but like the studio head, they didn't like, like Jen, Jen. like Michelle Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was specifically Michelle Williams or the character of Jen that they just sent me a screen grab. So I didn't get to in Jeff Stepakoff's book. There's maybe a, that's what it a was. Very, very, um, horrible thing that one of Whoa, the studio yeah. heads said about Michelle Williams. Yeah, maybe um, I think that's what it was. Actually. It was it's bad. It's very bad. Photo of the, that um, line from the book. Where yeah, they, they didn't like her, so that kind of like it probably made a problem for developing her character more. I mean, but but a, the a, idea a boon free... for Michelle Williams' career. Yeah, <laughs> the long I mean, run. It's like it's fine. She turned out fine, you know. Yeah, I do think it. This also pushed Pacey to the center. However, I think season two is what pushed him to the center, not necessarily season three. this. Yeah. Like this added to it, but it, it really began in season two. I with agree. His storyline with Andy, where it was like so much more compelling to watch him than it was to watch Dawson and Joey, you know, mm. at that moment. Even though every time you see Joey, you're like, as a, as a girl watching it, I was like, okay, like, this is fine. But like Pacey and Andy, I was like, I can't take my eyes off of you. you absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And like, um, yeah. So I think that that, and like, I think Joshua Jackson, I think that the care, like we talked about how the, a lot of the characters on Dawson's Creek, the women lack nuance. I actually think Pacey is the one that's most fleshed out with his nuance, you know, which is why it was, it's so dynamic to watch him on screen. And I mm. don't really think it was a bad thing that he was pushed to the center. I agree. I think, I think Pacey is the most nuanced character on the show. And I think he's, I, I, I mean, I would argue through seasons four, five, six, he, he is the best character on the show. Yes. Without Far a doubt. My mm. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And the final question. Okay. Alva, at what stage do you think the writers wrote themselves into a corner for Andy leaving, leading to her leave the show in season four? 305. I think the Rob episode um, really fucked up Andy's character. And I think it's because they treated it as a question. Yeah, I actually think her cheating on Pacey was when it, it 
I don't think they should have done that. They should have just had them break up because her therapist said that she shouldn't be in a relationship and she needed to work on her mental health. You know, I, I think that they, I understand why they broke up, but I don't, it doesn't make sense that she cheated. Obviously I have problems about, like I've spoken about, yes. about yes. circumstances of her quote cheating. I, I just, I think I can't even imagine if my friends, anyone I knew was like, oh yeah, I had sex with this guy when I was in a, in a mental mental hospital hospital, a clinic like I just like are you kidding me like I would have like I actually would have made an OSHA complaint I would have done a lot of shit you know that's really bad and I don't know why they had to do it like that so and it's like I think as the viewer it made it hard because you were like for me at least like you're rooting so hard for Andy and Pacey at the end of season two like you're just like oh I can't wait to see what happens with them and it was really devastating that that happened. And I think she could have had the same storylines of her journey of getting over Pacey or even, you know, whatever happened with Rob and all that stuff. If like they just broke up for a reason that was authentic to her character and like didn't feel so devastating and out of character and like it didn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I hear you. I I I mean, I. I don't like how they did the breakup story in so far as that, like, I agree with you that that her cheating on someone that she meets in or that she's in this mental hospital with, like, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, that's really fucked up. I I actually have less of a problem with the cheating storyline. Like, I, people cheat on each other. It fucking happens. Like, whatever. Particularly when you're in high school, man. <laughs> um, but, like... I have more, my thing is more that I think that like, they just, they did this disservice to her character where they were like, she's fucking shady. Like, and tried to, and tried to do that. And and perhaps it is an amalgamation of the cheating storyline and the Rob storyline. And, and when I say the Rob storyline, I want to be very clear that I mean how the show thinks of the Rob storyline, right. not how I think of it. Right. Um, I think she's fine in the Rob storyline, but the show very much thinks that. And I think like there's this and the cheating storyline. It's like, there's all these things in a row where I'm like, she just like her character just doesn't recover from it. And there's a part of me that looks at the end of season three and goes, you could, she could have recovered from this. Yeah, at the end I mean, of season three, of she's season so three, great. You're so, you're like, oh yes, old Andy's back. I love her. And every time she's on screen, you're really excited. But they, they I mean, yeah, and we'll get like, into it in season four. And don't worry, we have a lot, lot, lot to say about it. But like, you know, I think that like, they just never did her any fucking favors. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was, I think there's a way in which, and this is like a very like boiled down, but there's like a blonde girl and a brunette girl. And then what the fuck is Andy? You know, we already have Jen and Joey. So what's Andy bring to this? And my thing is like, I I think she brings a ton. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, it would have been so cool to watch her and Dawson form a kinship. And like, I always wish that they had dated. Mm. I think he, she would have brought up a better Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could have really connected over what ha- the events of season three, you but, know? And my thing and is like, like, he would have benefited from be- even being friends with her, whether or not they were romantic, yeah. you know? Like, and so there that, was yeah. so much storytelling that could have existed. Absolutely. For her. Absolutely. And it could have really turned it around, but they like, 
I agree that they were like, well, we already have the blonde and the brunette and like, mm, do we need another character that's a girl, you know? And they like, yeah, got rid of they her. just got rid of her. And that, I, I remember being devastated. I, I remember being very pissed about it and very sad. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hear us talk about it in season four. <laughs> exactly. Stay tuned. Um, okay. So we have, um, a few different, uh, questions from okay I'm gonna try but she emailed late so I couldn't email her back for pronunciation but I think it's Arun Arundati 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 she's awesome she was actually giving me um uh film recommendations on casteism in India oh I saw that she's so cool yeah 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 so so thank you for this Really awesome email as well. Okay. Since Dawson's Creek showed up in India only in April 2008. Okay. 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 Which thank you for letting us know that. That I didn't know that. That's so late. Yeah. My consumption of it was at least a decade later than you two. This was also exactly a year after I spent 11 months as a junior at an inner city public school in Atlanta on exchange. Okay. Having a wildly different high school experience in the Cape side kids mm. parentheses for one sex, drugs and alcohol were way more common. And the racial politics were way too real with 80% of the black student population. Mm. So the more I think about it, the more I realize that I was, I watched the show despite it holding nearly zero relatability for me as far as the high school experience goes. My Indian one doesn't even compare and my American one was literally on the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. In this context, the most difficult person to relate to was Jen Mm. with her class white privilege Mm. Both high schools I attended had people like her that felt basically unapproachable because of my own class. Her honest relationship with her sexuality, prudishness was such a moral high ground in India and continues to be that the conditioning to dismiss this behavior as loose, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and her non-traditional family in Grams and Jackers. On the other hand, Joey was exceptionally easy to find commonalities with her dogged belief in the educational system, especially the quote escape that college offered in helping her overcome class handicaps hitting hit very close to home, Mm -hmm. as did her healthy mistrust of everyone's intention. (laughs) (laughs) You are almost taught as this as a lower class kid that you're always competed for competing for limited resources. Yeah. Her obsession with keeping the one friendship she thought she had that represented the upward mobility she subconsciously craved to the point of letting Dawson enslave her in this narrative and of course pedestalizing her own sexual milestone. Hard relate, she mm. says. Wow. Um this whole buildup is to just to say that revisiting the show through the pod has made me revisit the person I was in the summer of 2008 and the many summers that followed. Mm-hmm. 
And most importantly, how much I have evolved in my rewatches. I have grown to enjoy Jen and practically champion her. I know you two have touched on this throughout the pod, but in your revisitations, who do you think you guys were when season three aired? How much do you relate to the people you were back then? Have you been able to recognize what parts of yourself were a product of the times and what were inherently personal traits? That's so interesting. God. I know. Yes, a few. There's a few more things. I I told you they're fucking killing it. I y'all, love our listeners. Yeah, y'all are fucking smart, man. I know. <laughs> Damn. Love it. So cool. I mean, I think I've done one of these episodes a while ago. It's been so fun. I know this has been fun. Um, I I think, oh god, like I I don't even know where to start right now. I I mean, I think that there's such a. Well, I, I think so, that the closest a television show has ever come to looking like my high school experience is my so-called life. Okay. I, I mean, and that's, that is to say that I went to a high school that was, um, uh, you know, it wasn't like a super nice high school. It wasn't a bad high school, but you know, the bathroom was looked similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, that there were, you know, yeah, our bathroom definitely looked like that in my so-called life. Yeah, like, like no one nasty. in there. Yeah, nasty. they're gross. And like, and and there's this. That's part- kind of the point, though. Like you should they that, they encourage that. They don't want people hanging out in there. You right. know what I mean? And and I think my so-called life. I mean, the thing about my so-called life that was so realistic about high school, my high school experience was like this kind of um, this kind of like just constant ennui about um, anything but school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and as much as I felt immense amounts of pressure to perform academically, and I did, I, I felt immense pressure to perform, perform academically. Um, my so-called life had this kind of, um, had this reality about what high school really looked like, mm-hmm. that it was like this kind of monotonous place Um that pockmarked with these um, moments of, I don't want to even say excitement, but like these things that happened, mm-hmm. you know? Interesting. Personally, I don't think I've ever seen my high school experience like represented in media. No, not the OC. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Aaron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny. I think that that is the experience of coastal OC mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Because coastal OC is white. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like the this tiny strip of beach cities. Like, totally. you know, the rest of OC is like really, really multicultural. Yes. And so that to me is why I've never seen my high school experience because it's like, what can you name a show where like this school is like, you know, equally white, Hispanic asian (laughs) you know (laughs) like it's hard to see that Mm. you know on top of that i went to a magnet school which like if anyone doesn't know that's like this racist thing in america where they like (laughs) it was pre it was the precursor to charter schools where they would make these like special programs that are public schools in like the public school district and like um the suburbs like like that increases your property value so they really invest in schools and like I grew up in a socialist utopia of Orange County. <laughs> it's fucking dark, but it's true, you know? And so my school was like this quote, good school. Like it's like 
you know, whatever. I don't know when I was there, it would be like in reports of like the best schools in the U S public mm-hmm. schools in the U S or whatever. I don't even know how white people determine those things. So like, <laughs> I don't believe them, you know, but just to give you a scope of what it was. Yeah. So the idea of like working hard at school, it's different because to me, I don't feel like I worked at hard at school, but because I was in this circumstance, yeah. I know that <laughs> like I did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see, and I, I think that the, as a result of it being this different experience from an academic standpoint, the way in which the social dynamics played out are different than are commonly represented in media. However, similar to her, like, even though I'm like, there was like, there's very few things that were like, it's similar. Like I never had a shitty teacher. You know what I mean? Like, and all the shitty, all the teachers in Cape Side Hide are shitty. You I, know? I, yeah, I, I did have shitty teachers, but I hear you. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I know that happens. Like, yeah. I, I, it felt believable, but I was like, that is definitely not my experience. Yeah. You know, um, you might have had a strict teacher who you thought was shitty, but like, not like, you know what I mean? Not like, no, this. totally. <laughs> I, I, I know the difference, and I actually yeah. did have legit shitty teacher. Yeah. 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 Um, but I just think that there's a, a, like a, it's like how like just humans in general, like infants have these milestones that happen. If no matter what you live in Mongolia, Peru, Canada, Mm -hmm. at this moment, this happens when you're, you know, when you're an infant and, and, you know, and so I think that there's like a, a really common human experience to this, age group, Hmm. you know, which is why these shows, you can relate to them. Like someone in India is watching this versus someone in Mm -hmm. like, you know, Orange County, Southern California, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and like, you're like riveted by it and you can find some similarities with it, which is really interesting. I loved what she was saying about, I feel like she really pinpointed some things I hadn't thought, which I felt was so interesting Mm. about like her, you know, um, her belief in this educational system that is her only way out. Uh, I know, I like, I know that's a common experience in America as well, but I, I found it to be so fascinating that as we're entering this new phase within our, our um, social contract with education about the cost of it, Mm. we're, we're really assessing like, what is, the value of college. You know what I mean? And like a lot of colleges are reckoning with that right now where it's like, we, are y'all paying just to party or like you paying for the classes? Because like, you know, like we're charging you the same, whether you, and you don't get to party, like, you know, and you're all are bad about that, you know? And it's like, it, what is the, like what, and, and then moreover, like, why is that the only way quote out, you know, Mm. which is super fascinating. I find intensely interesting. And then the idea of like pedestalizing your own sexual milestone, someone like, I feel like from my experience, we didn't, it, that wasn't a thing really. You know what I mean? I, it's like, not to say that it wasn't, but I feel like I remember when I was in high school being like, I remember saying this to myself, (laughs) look, it seems like as long as you wait till you're 16, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
yeah. If you have sex before you're 16, people will judge you. Yeah. And if you have sex after you're 16, no it one cares. Matter. Yeah. It's that's so that's like really interesting to me. This like idea of like how sex and drugs and alcohol are dealt with in high school and and within Dawson's Creek because I think there are ways in Dawson's Creek that sex and particularly alcohol are dealt with where I'm like, I think it's actually kind of groundbreaking, like particularly alcohol. The fact that like all of these kids drink, like we see them drinking and like they go to parties and they have a beer or like whatever. And like, sometimes they have too much and sometimes they don't. And it is what it is. I was like, that's really like, to me that felt really like true. Totally. Um, I mean, I, I will say, and I'm, I'm so sorry to my mother, but like, I'm going to say it, but, um, that so much of my high school was, um, revolved around trying to get alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. totally. like I, I was very, like, that was a very important thing that we did. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, as a person who d- did drink alcohol in high school and did, you know, when, what alcohol does to you is, is it lowers your inhibitions and, and, um, as a teenager, you know, um, as a teenager, you're pretty fucking horny and, um, you know, uh, everything that goes along with that. I mean, I think there's like a, a part of me that I didn't, I never felt like I judged people's sexuality. I mean, I, it's weird. Cause I did and I didn't, it's like, it's like, you know, rumors would go around school about someone, about something. And there are rumors that I still fucking remember to this day where I'm like, I so wish that I didn't know about. Like, I don't want that in my brain. I do yeah. not care that this like, I person. I hate that I know when this person lost their virginity. I, totally. And I hate that I know how. Or I hate that I know that, yeah. like, so-and-so had sex with so-and-so and in a closet yeah, totally. or something yeah, yeah. like that. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. And there's this part of me that's like... um, you know, that was, I mean, sexuality was a big part of high school and the thought of losing one's virginity was a big part of high school. And the actual act of losing one's virginity was a big part of high school. And, uh, you know, all of those things are true and I experienced all of them. Um, and yet as a person who's now 30, almost 37, probably when this airs, I'll be 37. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, it was just, you know, it was what yeah. it was. And, and, and there's a, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, that actually wants to parse that out further and say, I think there were certain parts that were traumatic um, mm-hmm. and certain sexual experiences that were traumatic. And I think, and I, and it's trauma that I think that I inflicted on myself mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways, you know, that like, I did things that I wasn't prepared for. or I did things that I... Okay. You didn't know you could say no to. Yeah. And I think that like, I think that those are real things that happen to people in high school. And like I said, and I was a person who drank, so I didn't, I couldn't always say no in a way that, um, I couldn't always say no because I was sometimes inebriated and, um, and I, you know, I, what I didn't. Right. Um, and I, and so I think that there are like, there are like these things. It's like the Jen and Chris Wolf storyline in season two is so like, I have such feelings about it. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, I see, I see parts of myself in that storyline. Um, and my high school self in that storyline. Mm-hmm. 
um, I was just so desperate to be normal fit in, <laughs> to fit in. And like, and I, and I did things that I now I would never do. So, right. But it's not, it's just, it's who I am and it's things I've experienced. And, and, you know, now it's just a part of me and you have to live with that. Yeah. And so to her question, who do you think you were on when season three aired? I, like I've said, I really relate to Andy. There are a lot of things were that are different about her, but because I relate to her, those differences, I understand. Mm-hmm. I also was like, it's more of a season four thing, but Jen is like kind of just like, um, like laissez faire about college in the sense that she knows she'll go. Mm. And that was my experience too. So I kind of related to that. Um, I, like I've said, I've always had a hard, like I am one to like kind of be snotty and stand up to boys and be strong in the way that they portrayed Joey. So like I, Mm. when she was like that, I could relate to her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for me, I mean, I mean, I've said it before that I relate to Joey the most. And I, I think in season three, that too. I mean, it's interesting because even though I grew up in a socioeconomic class that is higher than Joey's, I, I mean, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a way in which because my parents did not grow up in that socioeconomic class, that I was sort of fed this very working class line of like, and, and, and look, I, I grew up in a small town that I hated and I made it very known that I hated this small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you might be surprised because I ended up going to college in the small I town know. that I hated, Yeah. but my mother always said to me, um, if you want out, you have to get like, this is how you're going to get out. Like that was, that was drilled into me. Right. College and is the way out. Like I have a similar experience. Like I hated where I grew up. Like mm. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I was like, no way would yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not a suburb person. Sure. And it was like, and my parents knew that I was like, fucking hate it here. This is miserable. And they were like, yeah, but when you go to college, it'll be better. It mm-hmm. wasn't like the way you get out is to go to college. It was just like a given. Like when you go to college, it'll be better. Yeah. And so that was like, it's like a different experience as a result. And I think that like my parents kind of straddled that line because there, I didn't even realize that you could choose not to go to college until I was like 18. Yeah. Like I was like, Oh, or me or 17, you know, like when I realized that people from my high school weren't going to go to college, I was like, Oh, you can choose that. Who knew? Like that was not my experience. I could not choose to not go to college. That was not a choice in my household. Um, and, and I understand how privileged that is, but also it wasn't a choice. Um, and so, but also, you know, there was this thing of like, this is how you also, this is how you get out. It was kind of like this twofold thing. Right. And you were pressured or from what I understand, I'm Mm. not going to put words in your mouth to like get good grades and go to a quote, good college. Right. I just, my parents are like, you know, this is the minimum to get into Cal state. You just need to get that. Yeah. That's not how my household worked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I was expected to go to UC Berkeley, which I did not have the grades for. <laughs> so whatever. I went to UC Santa Cruz. That was fine. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, totally. Just funny. Cause like, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's, it's different. 
Yeah, because my parents like kind of raised us like that. And my brother did go to UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I'm not saying like there's one way to parent or anything. It's just like the, the, oh, the irony, you know? (laughs) And and I mean, I think there's a part of me that was so rebellious that was like, I don't like, I'm going to rebel against that part. You know, I knew I couldn't rebel against the college part, but I could rebel against the UC Berkeley part. Mm -hmm. I I was always looking for slight ways to rebel. And it's hard. I mean, I I literally had this conversation with my therapist the other day. I was like, it's very hard to rebel against liberal hippie parents unless you become Alex P. Keaton. Right. (laughs) Like (laughs) I wasn't about to become become a Republican. Mm -hmm. So then what? You know, how do you rebel? It's interesting. Totally. I think there's ways because I mean I found them. <laughs> I sure did. There's still problems with liberal hippies. I go, all girl, white. I'm here. You, I hear you. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> as someone who is a liberal hippie, that mm. you know. Mm. Um, and then, um, how much do you relate to people you to the people you were back then? Have you been able to recognize parts of yourself that are products of times and what were inherent personal traits? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I definitely can relate to the person I was back then, obviously, because like I know her so well. Mm. However, like we are a lot different. I like the person I am now way better. Sure. I loved the experience of not living with my parents anymore <laughs> while I, you know, I didn't like a lot of the, like, I didn't like the experience of Santa Cruz necessarily, but like, you know, I think, yeah. So the person, I feel like I can relate to high school me. I remember going to my 10 year reunion and people be like, man, you haven't really changed that much at all. And I'm like, is that good or bad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've always had like a, I think I've always had like a, um, of an idea of who I am, but like, you know, I, I did go similarly to Andy. I did go to therapy off and on in high school Mm -hmm. so there is a leg up to that you know Mm -hmm. um and then in you know in my early 20s so in these like kind of really crucial ages you know yeah which helps yeah it does or I just I'll say it helped me I you know I'll just say that um I I think yeah I think for me as I've gotten older what I've been able to do is I've been able to be a lot more tender and sympathetic with teen Julia. Mm. Um, I think, I think when I was a teenager and as I grew up, I, I was very hard on myself and how I was and how I acted and how I behaved. And I think as I've gotten older and as I've been to a lot of therapy, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, being able to be a little bit more tender with her and realize like how much, how much pain she was in. She was in yeah. my high school self was in a tremendous amount of pain constantly and mine too yeah and I I mean and perhaps everyone but yeah. um but uh, I, I used to be very much like embarrassed by what a naive you know person I was mm-hmm. and and not just naive but also then like kind of what a dork I was and I really was a dork I mean people thought I was cool because of how I dressed but I wasn't (laughs) not on the inside and I I think um I think that I have a certain tenderness towards that teenager now that like 
there was a lot that was happening and, and a lot that I was confused about and a lot that I didn't understand about myself. And, you know, I, I think even in my thirties, I still am coming to terms with that and, and realizing things about myself. So, yeah. Well, that's what you're rebelling about your liberal hippie parents with, because my parents instilled in me this fucking bullshit individualism, <laughs> but it really helped me be a teenager. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing that yourself, yeah, you know, yeah. like whatever, you know, yeah. like you can be a nerd and cool. Like you can have all these desires and experiences and like be authentically yourself. Like, you know, there's something you know, simultaneously corrupt about individualism, but really beautiful, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. This is her second one. Mm. The Jen Joey dichotomy or the one I had constructed at least also makes me believe more and more in the idea of female characters and consequently their friendships were so complicated, completely constructed from the male gaze. I mean, I didn't flinch for a second when both of them were great friends with Dawson or Pacey or Jack, but when they had a girl's nights or one-on-one -on -one chats, why did I say it like that? Because <laughs> we're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but when they had girl's nights or one-on-one -on -one chats, not even applying the Bechdel test because it would fail so miserably, Ooh. they had to be justified by really extenuating circumstances, like no one else to talk to or someone is dying has died, etc. Mm. Dawson, to the least extent, Pacey and Jack, especially in this season, carried multitudes and were complex characters, while Andy, Joey, and Jen all kept being returned to familiar boxes despite how defiantly the actresses played these parts hmm. does that make sense and do you agree that does it definitely make sense. makes sense <laughs> <laughs> and i do agree <laughs> yeah um i do th i think that's a an astute way of putting it i mean i think that like yes um as complicated and interesting as characters as jen joey and andy all can be i do think often they are not allowed to be as complicated as the male characters definitely and I feel like their the way that their relationships are is one of the things that felt inauthentic about my high school experience. Because you're like, what girls don't have at least one girl best friend? Like even a tomboy, yes, like that. That doesn't make any sense. I can attest. You know what I, mean? I can attest. Yeah, like it just like it doesn't make any sense, like at all. You yeah. know, and like ever like you know just to be hyperbolic, it's like every girl had at least one friend, one friend that was a girl. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like in my, that I feel like if I were to, you know, reflect upon my high school experience, I would say, I would think that like, you know, of course there's always, you know what I mean? There, I, I just think reality where that there was one or two, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that there's this way in which the, the major deficiency of Dawson's Creek as a show is the is the dearth of female friendship yeah. and i don't know if that's because there was never a female showrunner mm -hmm. i don't know if it's because the way that female friendship was portrayed on television changed so drastically after sex in the city that it is hard for us to remember what female friendship looked like pre-sex in the city and this show did start pre-sex in the city i mean it it you know sex in the city came and like, Over. there's a reference in, in season four, 
um, as it became a big cultural phenomenon. But like, but, you know, it was, there was less of it. I mean, there was much, much less of it and much, much less about the complexities of it. Definitely. And I think that the male gaze, I definitely think it's evolved, but the the male gaze on female friendship is this kind of idea of like, y'all are being mean to each other. And Mm. we're like, you're seeing this wrong, you know, or like whatever, you know, I I think about that scene when at the anti-prom where, um, Jen's like, Oh, Joey, I love your earrings. And Dawson's like, I gave them to her. And I'm like, bitch, he's, she's not talking about that. It's nothing to do with with those earrings. Like, no, 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 no. You know? And like, you know, like in that, I think, well, of course, like, I feel like that's authentic that is like one of these really subtle things that like, even in high school, I didn't know that that was girl code. I only learned that later in Mm. adulthood. Like when I had to, I wear lipstick. So people would always like, you would hear over and over, Oh, I love your lipstick. And I realized like that that was, and I would Mm -hmm. find myself doing something similar. Like when you see someone, you're like, always like, Ooh, I love your hair. I love, you know, like that is a really common socialization of women Mm -hmm. where when you see someone, when you first meet them or they're your friend, you like give them a compliment, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that is a more conditional than outright said, which is why I try to outright say it to, you know, tell people that that's a thing. But as a result of it, not being outright said, men don't know this, you know? And so when they're, when they are writing these friendships, it's always meaner (laughs) than reality. (laughs) You know, I think that like, there are complicated friendships in high school, which I think is why we love Abby so much, you know, mm. because you're like, damn, yeah, that's like, there's always that wild one. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah. you have so much trauma. You have a lot going on yeah. like this. Okay. Okay. Girl, you know, but I'm like, like, I want you around for like 20 minutes and then I, <laughs> and then I'm done. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so you can kind of like understand that one a little bit more, mm-hmm. but that like, toxicity of her relationship with Jen you knew people that had friendships like that Mm. however like the utter meanness consistently of Joey to Jen it it's a lot it's it's a lot yeah yeah Yeah, I agree I I don't um I mean even the girls in high school that I really fucking hated I was not like mean to I just didn't deal with them yeah, you weren't con- consistently slut shaming them <laughs> for no. no reason. Like, there's no reason to slut shame them. But you know what I mean. Like, I just yeah. feel like sometimes Joey just comes out of the gates, and you're like, "Where Whoa. did that come from?" <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "Whoa," you know. And so, yeah, that's really hard. And I do like we complain about it, obviously, in 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 this season, like how little they hang out, and when they do, we're like, "Oh my <gasps> god, yes!" Yeah. Like. It's like at the roller rink, you're like, oh my God, yes. Even though Thank like, God. Yeah. you know, like I hate that scene with Henry and like, I hate a lot of the elements of it. Yeah. And like the, you know, you kind of wish that like they could just like hang out and, and like Je- Joey would have felt out of the gates comfortable being like, Hey girl, like, I don't know. Pacey kissed me or whatever. Mm. So having to run through these whole hoops of like being girls first. Yeah. Yeah. No, now totally. I'm in you. Totally. Totally. And I do think, I think again, this is why Pacey is such a nuanced character. He's literally friends with everyone. Yeah. And they're, you're never like, why is he hanging out with that person? No, you're like, oh yeah. Even him hanging out with Andy, which would be the one where you're like, that isn't 
I don't know. If that it doesn't track. Yeah. Doesn't track. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It does in the show. Right. So it's like, you know, I, I know it, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it's true. And I think like, and I think there's a way in which just, um, female friendship is such a, an enigma to men. And, yeah. and so, you know, yeah. And, you know, interestingly, I think that that is why Dawson struggles with his friendship with Joey. Mm-hmm. Like I, I said it over and over, like he just doesn't understand the female experience whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't really take, take, um, time or care to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it, it's like on the one hand, like if you're a 16 year old boy, like, duh, like, of course, but a 16 year old boy who has a best friend, who's a girl and then a mom who he's intensely close with. And like, he can't pick up any, like he has no idea what's happening. You're like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then lastly, mm. And because I can't not talk about Joey and Pacey when talking about season three. Sure. The first time he kissed her on the side of the road was a moment that always made me uncomfortable. That he took it to be what was a non-consent and... Okay, sorry. That he took it to be what was non-consent and built a corrective path from then on is easily one of the most swoon-worthy things about this arc. But in the era of YouTube compilations and blog listicles, the moment has achieved a standalone cult status that I think completely belies the journey Pacey takes as a character and their relationship as an equal one also takes. Mm. I know you guys have, or Siri, I know you two have spoken about the fact that it was abuse and how destructive you think non contextualizing pedestaling of romantic moments such as these is to own is to people's own consent journey. Mm -hmm. I know that I normalized it thinking I was stupid for not swooning over and let my own first kiss be less than completely enthusiastically consensual Hmm. slippery slope. Hmm. I think that, yes, I think that, um, uh, I agree that I think it, it ends up on a lot of listicles as like a swoon-worthy moment. And I think kind of the reason that it does is because of everything that happens after it without people really thinking about what the moment itself actually is. Um, I think, honestly, the kiss in Cinderella story is swoon-worthy. The kiss in Neverland... <laughs> Neverland isn't you know what I mean yeah yeah because because you see her reaction yes and like you know when you're watching it in in Cinderella's story you're like you know where Pacey's coming from as the viewer obviously Mm. and you know you're like oh okay like you know and it it just they're like oh my god like we've been waiting for this for however many episodes or whatever or like waiting for some kind of movement you know Mm -hmm not necessarily a kiss, but at least movement. So you're like, Oh my gosh. And like it, it, like you said, you remember waiting a month, you know, like that big break and everything. Like it it really left a mark on you. And so then the kiss in Cinderella story. And even at the time you're like, Oh, okay. That is real fucked up. Yeah. In Neverland. Like even, sorry. Yeah. In Neverland. Um, 
you're like fucked up. Okay. And while I feel personally watching it in 2000, the concept of consent was like, not really there. It wasn't as nuanced. Yeah. Because like we didn't really talk about that word and that concept. I think that the concept was there, but there were no words to put to it. Yeah. So like you had this feeling where like when she pushes him, you're like, Ooh, okay. I'm on her side. That was fucked up. Like, Oh my God. You know? And like, you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. But you couldn't really like, um, put it into words in that moment of 2000 because we weren't there yet. I actually think that my articulation of it and my thought about it was that it was like, because of Dawson, that the, it actually centered around another male character, which I think is totally wrong and stupid. Yeah, yeah, but, totally. But I do think that that's where, like, my thing was of, like, oh, of course she's pushing him away because what about Dawson? Not and what it, he wanted. Exactly. There was a centering of, like, the other male character. Interesting. Yeah, totally. You know, and I do agree that because I have watched a lot of those YouTube clips or whatever, yeah. and you're always like, that one? <laughs> like you know like okay Look at those those videos those uh whatever they are the videos with the song and they like do the whole story I yeah, mean, yeah. Like, fan videos oh god i've watched a lot of those for dawson and joey i mean casey and joey yeah totally and you're just <laughs> like you know and you, it, it's like for a, a fan who's like i've got 11 minutes i can't watch the seven part series season finale of season three I, yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I can. I need to get my fix like, fast. You know? Give me a fucking Ed Sheeran song and some makeout, yeah. and I'm gonna exactly. watch it. How can I get high on this in like 12 minutes flat? You know, there were three. So like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you kind of like get it, and like yeah. I, it's hard to say whether I do think that that pedestals that kiss. Because the person that would be watching that video would be a fan. And I think it pedestal. I mean, I think what they all do is pedestal that relationship. And I, Mm. I agree that I don't think that's the kiss to pedestal. But I think that the inference is more about the relationship and about the start. It's it is the start of that journey, you know, in, in many ways. So and I think a lot of the videos, at least on YouTube, they don't, they do show the pushing and they show mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the, you know, like she didn't like it. Um, I think it's played for romantic. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Really, I mean, it's uh, complicated. Yeah. They're like, isn't violence romantic? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't it cute that she pushed him away and was so offended? And then six episodes <laughs> later, she's like, yeah. you know, you complete me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. The listicles, I definitely feel differently about mm. um, because they're always like a scene that is then contextualized. And I always feel like, or I, I've only read a few, so I guess sometimes feel like they do like highlight this moment of like, yeah, and she, Especially since at the end of season three, she's like, I knew I loved you before, or I knew I loved you when you kissed me and probably even before then. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like, they take that to rewrite the events. Yeah. And I just think that it's so much more complicated. You can be in love with someone and not want to kiss them. You you can be, you definitely can be in love with someone and you don't want to be sexually assaulted, you know? So like, 
<laughs> so like all of these, you know, it's a false equivalence. And like I've said before, I just think you need to create a home for love and a home for your sexuality. Yeah. And like that. And, you know, I just like boundaries. So keep like a healthy boundary with, of what those two things mean to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we have a trouble with how to portray multi multi episode pursuit of you know a love story yeah I mean I think I I don't disagree um and I think that like there's a way in which I'm hard pressed to think about another show that really does what this show does in season Mm -hmm. three of like building into it yeah in that same way right building into it in that same way where it's like these two people like uh, yeah I mean I, I it's not that I don't I mean every show a lot of shows have the like slow build slow build slow build but then a lot of them it's like they kiss and then it's on like you know yeah, totally it's on yeah instead of being like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know right it's like kind of on and then kind of not on it, exactly. it, you know it lives in a very gray area and I I don't think there's kind of any wrong answer yeah you know like yeah, I think that the reality is like everyone that likes Pacey as a character and loves Pacey, and you know we've seen yeah. all these things like perfect TV boyfriend, blah 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 blah. <laughs> we've 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 created a few of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like obviously because we have a podcast and because we've talked about Dawson's Creek for so long, like we could tell you why we think Pacey's the perfect TV boyfriend, not like oh, because he did this and he did that, you know, yeah. it's like, it would be a more like, um, like for me, like I said, like I write in the book, like, I just think that that journey of his consent, like this idea that like you, your feelings and what you want are important. Mm-hmm. And that's a man would think that as well. For me, that felt like so powerful to see Mm. in 2000 Mm -hmm. um because like I you know said like I the things I relate to about Joey are like her assertiveness and and that's a hard place to be as a woman in today and it was even harder in 2000 you know and so while I like I said I I've you know like for a teenager had a pretty good sense of who I was but you're always like, am I being conceited? Like, am I mm-hmm. being wrong? And, you know, like, is, mm-hmm. am I being, is that bad, you know? And like this idea of like Dawson's selfish, am I selfish for doing what I want? You know, there's kind of like these, these subtle nuances mm-hmm. and then the way in which like the patriarchy puts women down, like, you know, it's like, she's ambitious, she's assertive and they're bad. Those are bad things mm-hmm. for a woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that the consent journey Pacey is on is something that is less talked about, which is why we spend so much time talking about it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Cool. Thank so you. So now I've got some questions for you. Okay. I'm ready. Just two. Are we ready? I'm ready. Excited? Well, let's do three then. Are you excited for season four? I'm so excited for season four. <laughs> I really love season four. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions to, of episodes, but I think season four is a great fucking season. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
it's interesting because obviously the storylines of season three are like what you know Dawson's Creek for, but like actually season three, like the first half is such a slog and you Ooh. really get rid of Eve on the whole, like maybe keep her in the first episode. Cause like, I think the first episode is there's the only boat some, beach. We got to keep the boat. You got to keep the boat beach. You can't not have <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Know? Like, and I, and like, and the first time that Joey sees Dawson, it yeah. Beach, like I think that's so good. That's I love great, that. I love that yeah, so much. Agreed. Um, so, but like all the other stuff, I'm like, I could do without that shit. Fuck yeah. That, you know? So like, <laughs> I, like I said, I really think I could just like edit this, sh- all the content down and make it like a really fucking concise show. Yeah. Um, so, but so season four, there are so few episodes that you're like, I could do without that. Yeah, there are very few. And it's, um, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about how the tone changes. And I think what's interesting about Dawson's Creek is the tone seems to change in every single season. I know. And so it it is a definitely a tonal shift. There's a tonal shift. There's like a, it seems like a lighting shift. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really fascinating. And then also, like, they tell stories that are interesting. I mean, season yeah. four, season four has some really fucking interesting storylines and, yeah. and I'm, I'm so excited to get into them. Yeah. Well, so to that point, that kind of leads into my other question. You didn't know this, but so what themes and concepts are you excited to like introduce and talk about within season four? Yeah. I mean, so I know for me, mm. I'm really excited. I've kind of been laying it out in, the end of season three but the concept like the just the construct of virginity yeah and the way the show handles joey's virginity specifically and then dawson's virginity like yeah indirectly through joey you know and just the ways in which like class play a role in the concept of virginity as well you know yeah i i'm very very interested in class in season four. yeah i think class comes into a real i mean there are some real doozy yeah. episodes about class in season four i also think like the way in which a long-term relationship is maintained i mean and like and in high school that that's really hard and you know well, especially in senior year as you're yeah. you know getting ready to leave. Yeah. Leave, you know? Yeah. I'm I mean, really excited to talk about how as a society, we support the transition from childhood into adulthood mm. for non-college bound kids. Sure. I, I think that that is so incredibly interesting mm-hmm. and the real failure, like this is the most racist thing white people do. Yeah. You know, and I don't think we talk about it enough. Yeah. And I'm also so fucking excited about the gay shit. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot I mean, wait I love to talk Casey. about the gay yeah. shit. Yeah. And I love Casey so much that I like that we meet his sister and we get to yeah. know, we get to, like, again, his character's so nuanced because we, like, know so much about him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I love Gretchen. And his sister is one of my favorite characters on the show. I love her. Yeah. I love, I love what we learn about Pacey through Gretchen. I like, I like what Joey learns about herself from Gretchen mm. and that she, like the family that she, like the chosen family she has with Dawson, like she could have a chosen family with anyone she chooses, yeah. you know? So like there's a, what if she, what if her, Gretchen was her older sister, you know, stuff like that is yeah. really interesting. Um, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. I guess that kind of goes to my, we have maybe already talked about, but. Yeah, what are you? Is there anything specifically you're looking forward to in season four? Obviously, the gay shit, but the gay shit, obviously. 
Um, and I am very excited to discuss. I mean, I, I, I think we t- addressed this a little bit in our interview with Gina, but, but Joey's trajectory in season four is very, I felt so akin. Um, and so, and, and in, not in a class way, because I didn't have the same financial issues as her, but, um, but just in a pressure way. Um, I, 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 I felt immense pressure in high school. Um, and I remember watching Joey and her storyline and feeling, um, very similar and akin to that. And then also, um, I love, I actually really love the Mr. Brooks storyline. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It gives like, I like that there's like a Graham Mm storyline. It's like the mm -hmm. first time they're like, let's do a Graham storyline with like out the kids kind of. Yeah. Totally. And that's like, it really brings her into the fold. And I, I, you know, as the, she's only really good adult character, you know, I think. And I love Drew Valentine. He's such an Abby Morgan, you know, but in a more a better way, like he's a more believable, you know, Abby Morgan's like, a caricature Wild. you yeah. know yeah drew you're like i know that guy yeah I know oh yeah guy. i know yeah, like many definitely. of that guy yeah. yeah totally and i just think that there is like a really um universal experience to ending this really big chapter mm-hmm. and like the complicatedness of like you know all of our kids have these identities that the town puts on them and they hate that And now that they're faced with the idea of leaving that town, Mm. it's like, wait, I know who I'm not, but who am I, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that like, that's something even in adulthood you struggle with, but like, this is the first time you struggle with that part of like that identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucked up and so hard. And And it is a lot. It is like, that is like, to me, what I remember most distinctly about my senior years, you're like, okay, I don't yeah. have to be a fucking twin. I don't have to be like this. I don't have to be that. I don't have to be a Hensley. I don't have to be all of these things, you know? Yeah. Look, okay, but who am I? Like, who do I want? Like, who, if I know what I'm not, but who, like, yeah. I don't, you know, like, what are you? It's like mm. so interesting. And I, I really like that. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's fun. It's a, uh... It's a good time. Like I said, I I love season four. I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for us. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) (laughs) I am rooting for us. I think um, I'm really excited to talk to you about it. I think season four is a season that people kind of have like there's an episode or two that people talk about, but like on the whole, I feel like it, it gets a little bit ignored. Um, and so I'm really excited to sort of look at it thematically and, and think about it like that. Yeah. I definitely agree that everyone's like, now we just only have castaways to look forward to. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? No, that is not true. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. Like I definitely even, I'm excited for even five and six, but they're so far away. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for four right now. Five and six, five and six. I think we have a lot to say about and like, and even five, which I mean, people argue is the worst season. And I I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Tom Capano's emailed us, he's like, I'm worried what y'all are going to say about season five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, of course it's funny to us, but like, we're like, well, that's when we meet. So we'll have this other element to bring to the table. 
that like is like a, a like nostalgia and this other a per, like it's a personal like, memory yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. So, like it, don't tr- it won't be bad yeah we promise as you think you yeah. know <laughs> um yeah so yeah. cool so fun. yeah so Bye season three. Bye season three. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us. And yeah. And like I said, in the end of the um, episode 323, we hope, um, we hope we did it justice for you and we hope we, we brought up things that you hadn't thought about and yeah. And thank yeah. you for bringing us your ideas about it because we really appreciate that and like it. Totally. I yeah. love everyone's perspective. It's so awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Thank you everyone for joining us on this journey. We hope you have a safe and happy and healthy new year's Eve, whatever. Yeah. Excited to (laughs) bring 2021 because like. I'm ready to be done with 2020. Yeah. Ready. Yeah. Ready. Ready. Something new, you know? So, you know, thank you everyone. This has been so, so, so fun. And, you know, thank you to everyone who's bought our book, everyone who supported us, everyone who's bought merch. It's been so cool to like have people you know support us in this way they're like I don't know what I expected but so I can't say but it wasn't this I mean I I don't think it was this and and that and I mean that in the best way possible yeah without a doubt it's been so cool yeah just like all of these yeah talking about really fascinating interesting things and I really really enjoy it um Mm -hmm. cake also enjoys it I know you're my cat she's an asshole Uh, (laughs) she's the mascot of this podcast god (laughs) so yeah thanks for listening wear your mask wash your hands Mm. we're almost done but we're not quite so like just don't let your guard down yet hang in there hang in there we can do this we can do this um yeah uh black lives matter arrest the killers of brianna taylor we haven't said that in a while. Yeah, but defund the goddamn police. And qualified immunity, stand your grounds bullshit, like no knock warrants, fuck you. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dawson's Critique. You can email us anything you're excited about season four. You want to start talking about the construct of virginity, please Let's, email me. Please. Let's do that. Yeah. Dawson's critique at gmail.com. Uh-huh. We want to shout our boy Kilia for making our theme song. You can find him on Instagram at go freaking crazy. Uh, you can follow my Finsta at Aaron.hensley. Uh, you can order our book. I remember everything life lessons from Dawson's Creek available wherever you buy your books. It's available internationally. We still get questions. It is available. If you're an international buyer anywhere you normally buy books, um, you like should be Amazon. Able- yeah, I mean, I hate promoting we Amazon, but I don't support Amazon. But like, I want you to have our book. So yeah, I have a complicated feeling. Yes, yeah. so, I mean, like in in the UK, like you could do Waterstones or you know, Foils or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I only know that stuff because I lived there. But um, uh, yeah, let's shout out this week. Uh, Brazos bookstore in Houston, Texas, who just, their owner died, I, I think just today, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and I uh, want to give them a shout out. They're a fucking great bookstore. Man, are they a great bookstore. So um, check them out. Cool. Oh, and we have merch. Oh, yeah. You can find merch. Link in the bio. Link in the bio. Five, season four, I'll get a website. We'll that. remember. We'll it. figure something out. Someday we will actually build a website for this podcast before. Don't it say that. Ends. Don't make promises. You can't keep. <laughs> I'm paying for it. I should well. probably build it. 
Okay, please like us, subscribe, write a review wherever it is uh, you get your podcasts. It helps us immensely when you do that, and we so, so, so appreciate those of you who have. Uh, we would like to thank, as always, Andrew Bush, who records us when we are able to be around other people, and hopefully that will happen again very soon. I know. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Pesty1079. You can find Rare Bird books online at rarebirdlit.com or on social media at rarebirdlit. This has been a Rare Bird production. I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. I want to go right